Thank you for tuning in to Game Investing Radio. First off, I want to say thank you again because today is a special day. Nintendo just dropped blowout earnings, which is exactly one quarter from the first podcast because I looked back when I didn't know what I was doing. I was just rambling on the internet. It looks like I dropped the first podcast episode the day that Nintendo released the first Corona earnings, and they just released today, so that's exactly three months ago, and this is podcast number 66. I don't know if that's lucky or bad, but uh, wow, I think my life has changed in the last three months. So thank you, thank you, thank you for tuning in. Thank you, thank you, thank you for listening, and thank you, thank you, thank you for checking back with the podcast since I don't have a regular schedule and I just put stuff out when I think it's timely. So today, obviously, we're going to talk about Nintendo and the earnings report. And I picked out about seven topics to go over, assuming that you might be an investor. You're obviously investing in inventory. Um, You might be savvy to the markets. I don't know how to assume what my listener wants to hear. So I'm going to just try to go over a few things that um, I'm going to analyze. It's not real deep technical analysis. I'm not going to look at, you know, charting and all that, Um, you know, maybe the stock price, but we're going to try to go over the president message, the sales, talk about Animal Crossing, um, who owns Nintendo. And then I was going to go over just a touch of the chart over back through the last couple of generations of uh, consoles, because we've got the PS5 and Xbox Series X coming out. So I thought it was a good chance to talk about how Nintendo stock did when Sony and Microsoft released consoles or announced and then released and then sold consoles, stuff like that, versus like the Switch and the Wii. I mean, I'm not going all the way back. I picked, you know, a couple significant events over the last few decades that I think show uh, kind of when the best time is to invest in Nintendo. So uh, without further ado, let's get into it. Um, Today's episode is about Nintendo. So you can you can dig into Nintendo at nintendo.co.jp and um, click on uh, message from the president and I'll just go ahead and read this. It's also in Japanese. It's also in English, um, even though it's coming out of Japan. And this is by Shuntaro Furukawa. I hope I pronounced that right. He's the representative director and president of Nintendo Company LTD. Since the launch of the Famicom, known as the NES, Nintendo has been offering the world unique and original entertainment. In the field of home entertainment, the video game industry is one of the few established in Japan that spread around the world. Established in Japan, not invented. I'm going to do my own commentary. He's right. I mean, Japan really did establish the video game industry globally. I would say Silicon Valley's first Atari iteration you know, established the video game industry, which is kind of different when you're talking about the early days of arcade and pinball. So, and then he goes on to say, Nintendo has established itself as a well-known brand truly representing video game culture throughout the world. I would agree with that. As far as culture goes, uh, yeah, people don't really remember Atari. It's all about Nintendo. Next paragraph. We want to continue being a company that creates entertainment to bring smiles to people's faces. Now, that's great. We also want to expand the number of people who have access to Nintendo. Okay, this is IP, intellectual property. So he's probably inferring digital in the future. In other words, we want more people to have access to the characters in the worlds, 
thereby raising the corporate value of our business. So that's his fundamental strategy. He's talking about access. We continue striving to offer more products and services, regardless of age, gender, gaming experience, by keeping our dedicated video game platform business with its integrated hardware and software at the core. Okay, as we have always done. So he goes on to say, no, we're not going fully digital. Interesting. He wants to increase access, but the core is the game platform, you know, box or whatever it may be called. Within our dedicated video game platform business, we continue our efforts to induce even wider range of consumers to the Switch, which can be played anytime, anywhere with anyone. And that's a pretty good catchphrase there. Anytime, anywhere, anyone. I love it. We will likewise work to continue providing software that can be enjoyed by a variety of consumers. So this paragraph really is about equal opportunity, equal access, global, anyone, anywhere, anytime. He's also talking about digital, and he mentions Nintendo Switch Online. We, next paragraph. We continue to expand the number of people who have access to Nintendo IP in the world of platforms developed by Nintendo. One method is smart devices. We have a big base. Um, smart devices is different than playing on dedicated. We develop integrated hardware and software that has yielded new opportunities for people around the world via smart devices. We're also bringing characters to different sectors. Now, I like this. This is a big paragraph right here. Listen in. We are also bringing Nintendo characters to several different sectors. Here we go. We're talking Catalyst now. If you have video games, if you're investing in video games, if you're investing in, you know, Nintendo stock, Sony stock, Microsoft stock, this is what you got to think about. Catalysts, including theme parks, video content, and character-based merchandise, comma, to increase the opportunities for consumers to encounter Nintendo IP. So Nintendo IP is characters and worlds in their everyday lives. Everyday lives is the key there. That is a really powerful sentence. That to me means Nintendo's going to commit billions of dollars into characters and worlds in the physical realm of merchandising, uh, let's say online streaming, and amusement parks around the world. That is a big investment. With support from our external partners, that's obviously something like a Disney Plus, a Universal. Um, we don't know on merch yet. You know, we don't know on this merch thing yet. You know, Sony used to have a store. I loved that store in Vegas. I loved it in Oregon. No sales tax. Um, I love going into the Microsoft store when I take a trip up to uh, Seattle. I don't know if it's still there in Bellevue, but those stores are awesome. I would love to see some Nintendo stores. We are actively working on these aspects of the business, which differ from the dedicated video game platform business has been. Okay. So he's talking about going away from the core in the physical world. So Nintendo's not betting everything on digital is really what this is all about. We intend to expand the number of people who have access to Nintendo IP characters and worlds by raising awareness, awareness. So he's talking about, what Gary Vaynerchuk is talking about, and that's why this podcast is free. Gary says, give, 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 give. He trades attention. He says, wherever the attention is, that's where the money follows. It used to be follow the money. If Gary's right, the new world, if you want to be successful with your podcast, your YouTube channel, your social media, you need attention and uh, follow the attention is what we're talking about. Not follow the money. The money follows the attention. So Nintendo IP, he said it like seven times. 
He's saying, we want to raise awareness for our characters and worlds to an even broader consumer demographic through these opportunities to make contact with consumers outside of games. Outside of games. Nintendo's ready to take it to the next level. They're ready to go beyond gaming is what this is all about. And this is called new blood, new money. When we're talking graded WADA, BGA, this is what we're talking about. We're talking about welcoming people, all race, creed, and color from outside of gaming to introduce them to WADA and VGA. We've got to have open arms. We've got to assume people don't know variations. People don't know how to grade games. People don't know about gameplay. People don't know the characters, don't know the franchises. We need to have a friendly, open, transparent um, community that provides, you know, uh, newbie information in a, in a welcoming, non-hostile environment if we want new money, new blood, new people to come in and help us build this community as it matures from gaming through collecting into the future. So this is really an interesting letter from the president of Nintendo. Let's uh, finish it off. Let me get a drink here. Nintendo will continue to flexibly that's interesting, flexibly. So he's talking about really digital versus Super Mario World at Universal Studios. I mean, if I look at this real close, I'm thinking that Nintendo does not want to go hard into digital like Sony, well, like Microsoft, really. And Sony is, well, we'll do a Sony podcast when they release earnings, but this isn't about Sony. This isn't about Microsoft. We're talking about digital versus merch amusement parks, cafes, stores, Super Mario, you know, uh, ice cream, Super Mario uh, jewelry, Super Mario uh, movie coming out. Again, Nintendo will continue to flexibly transform, flexibly transform. Now that's interesting. Flexibly transform itself by adapting to changing times while constantly valuing the spirit of originality based on the belief that quote unquote, the true value of entertainment lies in its uniqueness. Nintendo's definitely unique when it comes to characters and worlds. And we will continue to provide products and services that surprise and delight consumers. We ask you, our shareholders and investors, for your continued support and encouragement. And then there's a picture in a blue tie. He looks pretty young. I would say 50, 55. Shuntaro Furukawa, Representative, Director, and President, Nintendo Company LTD. Unfortunately, I didn't research who he was, but I assume he's probably been with Nintendo for several decades. Now, I'm going to leave who owns Nintendo to the end. Um, that's the introduction. Now, the question is, is Nintendo a good investment? If you're just talking about stocks, not games, just the stock itself, you have to buy an ADR, which is uh, basically a stock that holds a stock. So Nintendo's not exchanged. There we got background noise. Do you hear that? That's the downside of being a DIY one-man show that's working 80-hour weeks with a $70 microphone. I apologize for the ricer in the background. <laughs> but anyway, is Nintendo a good investment? Was Nintendo a good investment? Um, you cannot trade nintendo on the nyse or big board or nasdaq like you can sne which is sony they trade on the nyse there's only a handful of japanese companies that you can trade directly that are listed on the american exchanges what i mean by american i mean in north america usa 
that would be you know wall street nasdaq uh russell whatever s&p um dow you've heard all those words um nintendo is kind of a derivative stock so uh, you just have to google nintendo adr and i do believe it's running in the uh mid to high 70s maybe low 70s it did drop after the announcement what happens all the time it happens all the time when companies uh, announce, you know, great earnings, great sales. Earnings are 4x. Sales are out the roof thanks to Animal Crossing. The stock will often drop because investors think, okay, sell on the news. That's what you want to do. You want to buy on the rumors, sell on the news. And you know what the lesson is there? When you're talking about WADA, the rumor is the pop report is going to be NES only. That means buy NES on the rumor. When the pop report hits, that's the news. That's when you sell. If you're playing Nintendo like the stock market, that's what you want to do. Now, if you hear that SNES is next or Atari is going to be with NES, you can do those platforms as well. But don't assume that the pop drop is going to have every single platform in it. You may have to wait another three, four, five years. If you're a collector, that's a different story. But anyway, um, back to the stock. When was the best time to invest in Nintendo? Well, definitely pre-corona. Let's let's start with the most recent run-up. I mean, anything, any stock that you could have timed at the bottom, you know, right after the the, the pandemic Wuhan news hit, that's another thing. Um, you can buy on bad news rather than rumors. That's another technique in investing is buy on the bad news. And uh, dollar cost average to the bottom, hold, wait for the good news. So if you would have bought any stock really on the Wuhan news around February, March, uh, you could have got into Nintendo around $42 maybe. If you would have gotten out right at the top, let's say $72. Uh, yesterday it's at $70. So let's say you got out at $70, you got in at $40, not quite 2x. I mean, you're really not going to beat video games uh, playing the stock market. What about the Switch? Um, could you have bet on the Switch? Yes, you could have. Let's go back. I'm looking at the chart. So you can Google Nintendo stock. It's on the OTC, which is over-the-counter markets. That's pink sheets. So uh, these things aren't regulated as hard as the others, if not at all. In other words, this is a stock that basically owns Nintendo Japanese stock. So it's a stock within a stock. It's called NTDOY. So that's the ticker symbol. Now, if you pull that up on Google or whatever chart you're using, you'll see that there was another dip. Now, there's another strategy to use, buy the dip. So in video games, how do you buy the dip? Well, let's say the PS5 has an incredible launch and suddenly there's a dip on the Switch and suddenly you can buy, you know, cases of Mario Origami or Rabbids Kingdom Battles or some, some sort of Mario product. Somehow there's a clearance on cases of Mario products because all the distributors are focusing on pushing at PS5 and Xbox Series X. That would kind of be a dip. Send those cases into WADA, get some 9.8s, um, hold out until maybe they announce uh, the retirement of the Switch or the next platform. That would be considered the good news. And that would be a strategy or tactic you could use to buy the dip on Nintendo for the next generation. So what about the last generation? Well, let's go back. Let's go back pre-corona. There was another dip in 2018, 2019. Um, that would be the switch release february 2017 so okay we got one dip let's say 
Q4 2018, early 2019, but pre-switch is really what we're talking about. We're talking about buying the dip before the switch came out. So the dip before the switch was around early February 2017. You could have got into Nintendo, American stock, NTDOY. By the way, I'm not a financial advisor. This is just a guy running his own podcast, buying and selling games for 10 years, trying to use his MBA and degree in statistics to give opinion and education for free. I'm not a licensed uh, broker or accountant or tax preparer. This is all my opinion based on my experience and professional experience going back 35 years flipping things and and 10,000 games, uh, mostly modern, over the last 10 years. So I think the best time to have gotten into Nintendo was basically February, March 2017. And it looks like the Switch released March. So you could have got in pre-release. And we'll talk about this on the Sony and Xbox because... Those are launching in a week. That's going to be another good stock analysis. So you could have got into Nintendo for almost 25 bucks right before Switch released. I mean, it even went down post-announcement. I don't know exactly when the Switch was announced to the Americas, but it was as high as 33 in 2016. So it actually came down pre-launch. So that, to me, says investors were thinking, hmm, Switch might not do too good, and they were wrong. Because if you had bought pre-Switch at 26 and held out to, let's say, well, you could have held out to 2017. Yeah, if you held out to 2017, let's say you held out a year or even less than a year. Let's say you held out a year and you, you sold out at 55. You're almost a 2x there. And in the stock market, 2x, I mean, if you're not talking, you know, the crazy stocks we hear about every day in the news, I'm not talking about Facebook, Apple, Amazon buying it at $10 to $3,000. You know, that's just unheard of. If you buy it at $10, you sell it at $100. Buy it at $100, you sell it at $2. Nobody buys it at $100 and holds it till three grand. So if you bought Nintendo at $26 and sold out at $55, you did amazing. And that proves that the Switch exceeded expectations. But that was not the best run-up Nintendo ever had. There was one other console. Now, PS2 is the king. PS2 is the best-selling console of all time at 155 million units. But there is another console out there that everyone forgets about that did over 100 million units and changed the game. And I think this is the one, if you're starting a nonprofit, you should focus on the Wii. That's the one you need to refurbish and get into senior homes and, and support your local community. That is the console. I think that is the sleeping giant. If... Graded investment video games cross over to the younger generations. Uh, we see it on the PS2 right now. If people that grew up with the Wii start getting into video game collecting and then investing, this is a sleeping giant. The uh, the the library is insane. Um, the quality of those cases uh, and the uh, you know the ceiling and the Wifold ceiling, the Mario titles. I mean, it's just got everything going for it. So if you had got in pre-Wii, we released uh, for Christmas 2006. This is about when I started uh, pivoting from uh, selling laptop electronics and laptop computers and videos and uh, baseball cards and all the other stuff I was dealing, DVDs and all that. That's about when Blu-rays released. That's about when I started pivoting towards video games, not full-time, part-time. And we was, uh, thank you so much, Emily. Um, Emily's the one that my best friend... From, from childhood, from birth almost, that, you know, she has kids, she had kids, and and bless your soul, Emily, rest in peace. Um, 
she was the one that said, John, you know, you might want to try video games. My kids are crazy about the Wii. They constantly nag me to buy a new game. And that's really where this journey started. The origin story, I mean, sure, I was a gamer in the 70s, early 80s, but the origin story of investing in gaming inventory started with Emily. And she was just a mom looking out for her kids. She's also a, you know, 80-hour-a-week home, home office warrior, had her own company, lived and worked in Japan for 10 years, built a company out of a tiny little closet in Japan, um, a design, and um, actually she got into manufacturing, and she was an amazing businesswoman. And she recommended the Wii to me, right, right, probably around that time, probably around November 2006, maybe early 2007. And that's what started the journey to investing in video game inventory. Thank you again, Emily. So if you got it into, uh, you know, Nintendo stock, let's say at 15 or 16, way back in the day, let's say 15 years ago, 14 years ago, and you were diligent, you got in at 14, you know, you got in right, right before the weed dropped because it, it went up. I mean, it jumped to 18. So it, it went up. The, the stock jumped because obviously the Wii was a surprise that Christmas. It blew away the gaming industry. It blew. It brought new blood and new money into gaming. It brought people that, you know, really weren't gamers. And it opened the whole door. I mean, we really need to, we really need to send the Wii some love because that is the console that really broke gaming through to mainstream. Nintendo is right. I mean... You know, Japan, Nintendo, and uh, particularly the Wii, as far as the modern age go, goes, uh, established gaming. Of course, the NES, but I didn't even play the NES much. So I really look at the Wii over 100 million units. And then when you start looking at software, you're talking probably a billion units, which is just an, a crazy number. I mean, will that fill up a mall? I mean, how big is a billion units of software? So if you were diligent, and let's say you, you were really a Nintendo fan, you wanted to you let it run let it ride, you put your 15 bucks in, um, and you waited and waited and waited and watched the Wii run, run, run. It runs through 2006. It runs to 2007. It's running up in 2006. I mean, it ran in 2006 like a wild horse, like a Mustang, and up at 2007, yeah, we're approaching the peak. Um, I don't know how many units were shipped. I didn't look that up, but the peak was Christmas 2007. So in one freaking year, you could have got in at 14 and sold out at 76. I mean, it was at 77 one moment. It was higher than it is today. You could have got out at 50, 60, 70. You could have done three, four, five X in that stock. So the, the moral of this story is the biggest multiples, the biggest gains, the biggest, uh, gross profits you're going to see are dark horse surprises things that come out of left field that weren't expected and explode into the mainstream so that might not be what i'm buying like a bonks adventure or a prototype or a flintstones it might be something like a, a guitar hero one or a super mario on the wii something that comes out that everybody knows about you know and it just goes mainstream 5x, 4x, 3x. You know, the amount of people that want that piece explode 2x, 3x, 4x, 5x. Millions of people want that. So I think one little secret that I'm going to have to borrow from uh, the Texas bros is, you know, Google Wikipedia, look up the best selling. 
Look up at the library. Look up, look, look, go try to find a Dark Horse console and then look at the library. Study the best selling titles and then study the variations, the print runs, the quality, and go for some nine eights. You know, if you want to, if you want this 5x type of thing, you're going to have to gamble. You're going to have to speculate. You're going to have to try to reduce the risk by um, focusing on supply and demand. Demand meaning, you know, multiple units, millions of units, you know, 10 million unit type titles. And then on the supply side, you've got to get that 9 8 in the first, uh, you know, pristine ceiling. So on a PS2, it's going to be white security strip. On Nintendo Wii, I don't even know. I don't even know how you can tell first, second, third, fourth printing. You know, that might be the secret for betting on uh, the Wii. So looking back, um, as we're coming in on 30 minutes here, uh, yeah, 25 minutes, it looks like the Wii was the number one best chance to invest in Nintendo stock. And then number two would be, you know, getting early on the Switch, either uh, Christmas 2018 or um, March 2020 before this current run-up. Um, going way back in the day, there was one other dip in 1999 when it was like 10 bucks, and then it peaked uh, February 2020, 26 so you could have got 2.5x. I'm not exactly sure which console came out, but that's something you should research, and you can teach me. What console came out uh, somewhere around late 99? Uh, yeah, late 99. And what happened in, let's say, Christmas of 99? Something happened in 99, either in the markets in general or in gaming, especially Nintendo. So what else do we got to talk about here? We're still going. Um, so as you look at a company, one of the most important things is where does the blood come from, the money? Follow the money. Where does the money come from? And we're talking top line versus bottom line. Uh, we know Nintendo had blowout profits. Mainstream news is is reporting 400% profit. That doesn't really mean a whole heck of a lot um, because profits are manipula manipulatable, if that's a word. You can increase profits by laying off people. You can increase profits by cutting suppliers. You can increase profits by going digital instead of physical. There's all kinds of ways to increase profits. You can increase profits by playing the foreign currency markets. Obviously, the boost in profits was due to sales in Corona because everybody's locked down. Well, let's look at the sales. Now, sales is top line. If you want to get into accounting terms, that's really the lifeblood of any company. When your sales drop, you're in trouble. So sales are out the roof. But the question is, when you had this earnings report, you're looking at fiscal year that ended in September 2020. So this is data that ended in September 2020 versus 2019. So let's... Uh, Let's take a little break and then we'll come back and we'll look at sales in Animal Crossing uh, 2020 to 2019 and then we'll go into who owns Nintendo. And that should do it for today. Let me get a drink and I'll be right back. Okay, Hopper's back. Um, just a couple more topics to cover and we should be uh, wrapping up this one. So let's look into the sales, the lifeblood of Nintendo. Now, I'm going to focus on the Americas and I'm just going to go over a couple percentages I don't really want to go into the numbers uh, as far as dollars go because, for one, Nintendo's running a yen company and currency exchange rates change all the time. If someone's listening to this podcast episode in 10 years, it's really not going to be applicable. So what does matter is percentages. So let's take a look at where does Nintendo's money come from. Now let's compare 2020 and 2019. So this is uh, 
this is kind of Corona bump versus kind of, uh, you know, good times. 2019 was good times. Um, out of the pie of Nintendo's revenue, where do you think it comes from? I was quite surprised. I was thinking, oh, it's got to be a lot of mobile, especially in Corona. Wrong. Oh, it's got to be digital. Wrong. Okay. Nintendo Switch. This is unbelievable. For 2019 and 2020, most of the revenue, 90 to 95% of all the dollars coming into Nintendo globally. No, 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 no. Americas. Americas, excuse me, is Nintendo Switch. In 2019, it was 90.5% of every dollar coming in. 90 cents on every dollar coming in in America is from the Nintendo Switch. That just blows my mind. I'm going to say that again. 90 cents on the dollar. 2019, Nintendo Switch, Americas. Now, 2020, which is half Corona, 95 cents on the dollar came in from Switch. That is, you know, that's risky. In business, when you have one product or one uh, platform, one uh, cash cow, kind of like Microsoft with uh, Windows, you know, that's why they expanded into Word, Excel, uh, you know, cloud computing, Xbox. Sony's doing entertainment along with video games. Um, Nintendo's a one-trick pony. I mean, Nintendo really is the only investment directly into pure play gaming. But with the president's message we went over, they are becoming an entertainment company, which is so funny because the NES is called the Entertainment System. So they're talking about getting eyeballs connected to characters and worlds that is going beyond gaming but it doesn't sound completely digital nintendo's a very interesting company and they're kind of alone i don't see any other companies doing this i mean in gaming probably maybe movies or comic books i guess uh maybe marvel um maybe it's more like a marvel you know marvel relies on one darn thing you know, comic book stories. There's not much. If you pull that one uh, one trick pony, there's no more Marvel left. Although you know, Disney bought Marvel, and Disney's got you know all kinds of. It's got a, a you know an eight cylinder engine fine firing on all cylinders. But Nintendo's got a one cylinder engine, and it's revving high. And ninety five cents of every dollar coming in the Americas is from the Nintendo Switch. It looks like other is one cent for every dollar. And in 2019, it was five cents on every dollar. So if you look at this, it looks like digital actually went down in, excuse me, digital outside of the Nintendo Switch ecosystem. So I guess that would be 3DS, Wii, uh, Wii U, um, DS. Uh, but it looks like to me that like older legacy Nintendo systems don't get much digital action. Either that or the numbers are so large on Switch that they're getting dwarfed by uh, people buying, let's say, a 3DS digital download. Now, uh, mobile, this this is really shocking. Mobile was bringing in $0.04 cents for every dollar in 2019, overall, Americas. But in 2020, it was only 3.75%. So people are stuck at home. They're either getting off mobile or... They are putting massive amounts of money into Switch, and that's probably the theory that works out because when you look at the Animal Crossing numbers, they're mind-boggling. Without Animal Crossing, all these numbers don't, don't really mean anything. It's all Animal Crossing. 
So it looks like, according to a couple news sources, that Animal Crossing has sold over 22 million units to date. And uh, I've talked to all the big distributors asking about Mario Origami cases and can I get sealed cases and all this. I went back and forth with quite a few distributors. Very hard to get sealed cases. You can't order directly from Nintendo, even if you have a retro gaming store. You have to go through distributors. They want you to sell the games at $59.99 and they're going to be higher in about a week. $69.99, etc. $99.99, etc. But on Nintendo, I understand it's $59.99, and you got to pay like $50, bucks, $53, bucks, $54. Bucks. I assume Nintendo's getting $50. Bucks. The distributor's getting a buck, two, or three, and then the retro game shop is stuck with like five bucks. I mean, it's just a complete joke. I'm not, I'm not bagging on Nintendo, because without Nintendo, there is no game investing. There is no WADA. There is no, you know, VGA. There is no retro. There's nothing without nintendo all we got is atari and that's just not enough so you know nintendo's just amazing when it comes to character and world development obviously they're mixing artists with coders with uh you know japanese perfection and kaizen and all these things that can't be re replicated outside of you know japan because that that overwork culture is just insanity i mean they spent two years on uh, smb3 and and that's a masterpiece because they did you know 100 hour weeks for two years not very many teams can do that. Um, you know, it's just the work ethic over there is just insanity. So 22 million Animal Crossing units. Um, if you multiply, let's say, even 20 million units by $50 a pop, that's that's a billion bucks. A billion bucks from one little title. Well, it's not a little title, but the characters in it are little, right? So a billion bucks from one set of characters, one world, uh, you know, this this is the type of thing that Nintendo could bring into Super Mario World. It could be a cafe. It could be a virtual reality. It could be uh, merchandise. You know, with the president's message as a long-term investor, what you're really betting on is characters and worlds. That's really what you're betting on. You're betting on, okay, I want to buy in at $70 a share because I think in 5, 10, 20 years when Super Mario World is all over the globe, and even Disney's, you know, wondering, what are we going to do? And, uh, you know, you look around and Sony, you know, has got their characters and Microsoft's got their characters and franchises. And, you, and you're thinking, no one can beat Nintendo's characters and worlds. If you believe that, you might want to get in at 70. If not, you want to wait for a dip. And uh, there might be a dip coming. If PS5 and Xbox Series X take off, and they probably are going to take off because can you find a PS4? Can you find an Xbox One in the store over the last months? You know, in Corona, the console, the physical console availability in the Americas got decimated. And I think it was a ploy. Even Switch, they underproduced Switch. And that's a, that's a Chinese, you know, trade war thing. There's all kinds of factors that were involved. Multiple factors that created not enough consoles. And I believe that another reason they were conservative late, they're always conservative late production at the end of cycle. So, you know, we're talking about console starvation in America. Even though the economy's bad, we're stuck at home. People might cough up $1,000 left and right to get a PS5, you know, because uh, when's the last time you could buy a console? 2013, seven years ago, PS4, Xbox One. And by the way, I looked at Nintendo's stock during that time. 
if you had bought Nintendo at 12 bucks pre-Xbox One, pre-PS4 release, Christmas 2013, you would have basically made a buck if you held out for like a year or two. So that tells you that uh, it might, if, if history repeats, you know, if history repeats, because we're talking about really high-end graphics, 8K, uh, you know, we're talking octo core is what I understand. AMD octo cores in these new in, in these new boxes. Both the PS5 and Xbox One have octo cores. I mean, I grew up on an eight bit Atari 400 computer. You know, I can't imagine what an octo core is compared to that. It's got to be a thousand times faster or a million times faster. I have no idea. But the iPhone is like a thousand times faster than you know my home computer back in the day when I was a hardcore gamer. So. You know, PS4, Xbox One took it up a notch. Um, I think those are quad cores. Um, but octocore 8K, and compared to the Nintendo Switch, if you're a hardcore game, you're into graphics, uh, PS5 and Xbox One might do quite well. I think 20, 20 million units over the uh, next few months is possible. 10 each at least, maybe 10X, 20 PS5. We'll see. That's my prediction. But if you if you did invest in Nintendo before the quad core PS4 and Xbox One back in 2013, seven years ago, last generation release, you would have only made a buck on Nintendo stock. Now I'm gonna hold out the analysis on SNE and Xbox uh, MSFT. Those are the two uh, other gaming stocks. Those I gotta hold out because I gotta do that in the uh, Sony and Microsoft uh, podcast episode. We're gonna have to tear apart those two companies. Um, and then we're going to have to have an episode where we compare all three and look at every generational release and when was the best dip to get in. So it looks like overall, my opinion, you know, First Amendment, freedom of speech, you know, all that stuff. I probably wouldn't get into Nintendo right now, but I also believe uncertainty, presidential, all that stuff. You really want to buy on the bad news. You really want to see news like PS5 selling like hotcakes. The economy's going to going in the toilet. I'm trying to keep this non-explicit. The economy's in the toilet. PS5's selling like hotcakes. The Xbox One X is blowing doors. You know, 8K, everyone loves it. The Switch is fading away. What's Nintendo going to do next? As soon as you see articles like, what's Nintendo going to do next? That might indicate a possible dip coming in the stock price. And then when they do announce, the next catalyst would be when they announce that actual next generation console. And that's either going to create a dip like it did before the Wii, which is, you know, everyone was expecting nothing with the Wii announcement, or the Switch where you could have done that 2X, even, you know, buying a month in, a month before, I mean, the re- the physical release to Americas. So, you know, these dips come along like once a generation. Um, we got to appreciate these chances. And, you know, we're so lucky we can get on our phone and we can pick up a news article and we can jump on, you know, Robin Hood or TD Ameritrade, Schwab, whatever. Um, and we can we can drop in a trade and you can get in. So uh, game investing is not just about physical. We can talk about uh, Wall Street. And that brings me back to the uh, last bullet point for tonight's episode. Who owns Nintendo? Let me get a drink. This is the most interesting thing. You know the old saying, follow the money. Well, follow.
follow the money has a lot of different meanings. You know, are we following sales data? Are we following US dollar data, yen data? Are we following profits, net profits, gross profits, digital sales? You know, are we following Animal Crossing money? Are we following uh, Nintendo Switch console based money? Are we following the retirement of the 3DS fade out money? The big money that matters is who owns it? And that's balance sheet. So there's really two things in accounting that uh, Warren Buffett, you know, he suggests you don't need college, but everybody in the world that wants to become an investor should take one college accounting course. And you're going to go over the three major financial statements, the income statement, the balance sheet, and the cash flows. All of them are about following different money. Cash is about how much cash is left over after they do their three-month stint. A three-month stint is called a quarter, and that's when you look in the news and you see earnings, quarterly earnings, earnings report, earnings call. That's all about the most recent quarter. And it's not it's not ending on the date that they announce it. It's usually, you know, it's a snapshot back in time. So for Nintendo, it ended in September, and we're doing this podcast November 6, 2020. So we're looking backwards. Now, the balance sheet, it's not really about following the money flow. It's following what I call parking lots. And it's where the money is parked and who has money parked in Nintendo. So Nintendo is a, a Tokyo corporation. So, you know, the people that own the stock are the big boys. Who are the big boys? By the way, before I get into the big boys, the income statement, that's the one we all talk about in our little businesses. That's basically sales minus cost equals profits. That is very manipulated. There's a trillion different tax benefits you can do. You can manipulate those numbers. So the income statement is like the easy peasy one. That's profit. But the real, the real ones that you need to study if you want to take a college course is understand the balance sheet capitalization and then the cash flows like does this company have cash at the end or are they borrowing okay who owns nintendo well according to nintendo's website the company owns 125,000 treasury sh shares okay so 125 so <laughs> that's really funny they call it one person that's really funny i don't know what that means so here we here we go we sound we found something very fishy right here on the pie who owns nintendo one person owns 9.53 percent of nintendo that one person is nintendo so they're calling nintendo one person which is really weird uh the rest of the people are japanese security firms so those are going to be brokers broker accounts um 74 people uh, that would be, for example, the Bank of Kyoto, uh, the Master Trust Bank of Japan, the Japan Trustee Services Bank, Nomura Trust and Banking Company, uh, Japan Trustee Services Bank. Okay, then you've got foreign institutions and individuals, 1,272 people. They own 50%. So Nintendo's, half of Nintendo is owned by non-Japanese investors. Here are the big players. J.P. Morgan Chase owns 6%. J.P. Morgan Chase Bank uh, owns 1.7%. I don't understand. Okay, they have two funds, I guess. So J.P. Morgan owns 7 They own 8% of Nintendo. Now, in the, in the big world, in the big investing world, anything near 10% is pretty much considered ownership. Like 
Warren Buffett, for example, a lot of his positions are near 10%, but the media says he he bought the company. So buying the company could mean 8 to 9 to 10%. I think when you go over 10%, you have to start really um, doing a lot of paperwork. And I think uh, that's kind of like the threshold. So it looks like to me, um, as far as foreign investors go, JP Morgan is, you know, they're in the wheelhouse of Nintendo. They're, they're in the locomotive of the Nintendo train going down the tracks. And then you've got all the way Japanese companies work. They're all owned by banks or the country itself, which is the Bank of Japan. So the rest of the company is owned by banks. So it's really 50-50. Now, the other side of it, you've got Japanese individuals. There's 46,000 of those. Japanese financial institutions, 87 persons. I guess those would be smaller banks. And then other Japanese corporations, 726, which aren't even on the list of the top uh, 10. So really, Nintendo is J.P. Morgan Chase and the uh, you know major Japanese banks and uh, brokerages, brokerage houses. So you know, um, when you and I go buy a stock, uh, we're just a little flea. We're an ant. We're not going to be able to like change the way Nintendo does their uh, future strategic planning stuff like that. But where you can make an impact, I do believe, is go on Facebook or Instagram or Twitter. And these days, big companies are actually responding to uh, social media. If you have a beef, if you have a complaint or a suggestion, I do suggest going to social media and taking it up. Uh, we just have an issue with a Whole Foods uh, gift card where the PIN, we couldn't read the PIN number, so we couldn't use it. So we, uh, we uh, contacted a Whole Foods through Facebook messaging, I do believe, or email. And they responded immediately. They issued us a digital replacement and we didn't lose our 75 bucks. So, you know, one good thing about social media these days is that the one area where us little ants and fleas have a little bit of power is contacting these large behemoths via, via social media. Now, I'm going to end the podcast with saying I've looked at a lot of companies. I got a master's in business. I spent six years studying at the grad school level, you know, hundreds of companies, lots of financials, uh, presentations. I studied Disney. I studied Netflix. I studied uh, Blockbuster. Uh, I studied uh, Walmart, you know, uh, all the car companies. Um, I didn't study Nintendo or any gaming companies. That's something new for me, which is exciting. So... Looking at Nintendo, to me, it's kind of a small company. Um, it's not uh, one of those massive companies like a Facebook or a Google. It's not diversified. Most large companies, even Toyota is a group of 500 companies. You think it's a car, car company, but you know they're building houses. They do financing. They have a bank. Uh, they may even do insurance. I don't even know. They might build uh, washers and dryers. You know, most of these companies are doing multiple things, diversifying risk, you know, doing it globally. Uh, Warren Buffett is diversifying by buying a lot of Japanese trading companies where, which are highly diversified into multiple supply chains around the world. Nintendo's the exact opposite. It's a one trick pony. It's either going to, you know, if gaming is blowing up and the current platform that they're releasing is blowing up, you're going to do well. If not, you're going to do so-so, maybe lose a little, maybe gain a little. So really, the Nintendo Play is all about that platform, that generation, the thing that comes after Switch. Um, Switch might take the take the stock from 70 to 71, 2, 3, 4, or 5, but I don't see Switch taking the stock from 70 to 100. 
You know, if you want to see Nintendo go from 70 to 100, you're really going to need a next generation console. I would say it has to be at least a quad core. Um, I don't even know how Nintendo squeezes out so much joy and pleasure out of their their underpowered, uh, you know, rigs. I mean, to me, Nintendo, I can't believe the NES was an 8-bit like my Atari 400 and 800. So I, I give the Nintendo programmers and coders kudos. They are able to do things with uh, cartridges that I think the other uh, gaming companies can't do with the discs. And I think they're pulling stuff, which blows my mind because the Nintendo Switch cartridge is so tiny. But there's got to be something on that cartridge that's giving uh, you know characters and worlds a little uh, horsepower boost. And that's another thing to look at when you're investing is IT, not just IP. You, you look at both of those, intellectual properties, patents, trademarks, and then IT, intellectual technology, uh, excuse me, uh, information technology. So that's all the stuff like Nintendo Online, the whole ecosystem, the digital, the mobile. So those are the two things, and, and you could dig it up. You could go to the patent office. You can dig up all the Nintendo patents dig up all the patents that they have on digital and physical and cartridges and all that. And you can say, hmm, you know, I really do believe in Nintendo in the long run because they have all this IP and they have tremendous IT. But don't forget what the president said. Let's end it what would he said. Let's let's look at his uh let's look at his um his newsletter and end on end on a message from the top. We want to increase the opportunities for consumers he doesn't say gamers. He says consumers to encounter. He doesn't say game. He says encounter. That to me means walk into a Universal Studios and, and take a picture with the Mario life-size living and breathing plush. Even if you've never played a Mario game. P.S. I've never played a Mario game. Yep. Destroy me in the comments. I'm sorry. You know, I'm a defender guy. I have played Zelda and Tyson Punch-Out. So yeah. Um, quote unquote. In, Nintendo is here to increase the opportunities for consumers, not gamers, to encounter, not play, Nintendo characters and worlds in their everyday lives. That is the future of Nintendo. If you want to bet on that, if you want to bet on characters, worlds, cafes, stores, roller coasters, um, Mario Karts that are live and living and breathing, uh, you know, plush, selfies in Florida and Hollywood and in uh, Shanghai and uh, Osaka, you know, now you're talking a Disney. Now you're talking a Disney here. And Disney, once they rolled out uh, streaming on Disney Plus, that stock launched from like 100 to 130. So maybe Nintendo could go beyond 100 with full-blown amusement park, you know, rollout, along with some sort of streaming service that offers digital on demand, some sort of ecosystem like Disney Plus that adds gaming with movies and TV. Now, no one's really doing that. Um, I guess Xbox wants to go there. So that's kind of a wild card bet. So really, you got three things. You got that wild card. You've got the next generation console. And then, of course, you got you, you got the, you know, the Nintendo um Everything built up until now. All those characters in the world. You, the Animal, Animal Crossing franchise, the Mario franchise, you know, all the franchises and characters that uh, they can bring in to this whole new, let's say, Marvel-type, cinematic, universal type of business uh, plan. And it looks like the president of Nintendo and the whole company is doing a little bit of a pivot here. And they quietly released... You can look at one of my podcast episodes I did on the... Uh, 
Super Mario uh, Cafe and Store with only two little sandwiches you can eat. I mean, they are doing kind of like the sticker release in New York. You know, I mean, they could have released Mario Coffee, Mario Cake, Mario Brownie, Mario Cookie, but they didn't. Nintendo likes to do what I call the walking on eggshell release. What they do is they under-release and over-deliver, just like those 8-bit black box artworks. I mean, those things are beautiful now, but if you think back then, they were scared. They thought they were going to fail. They were coming off a super scope failure. You know, a thousand cabinets sitting in a warehouse that became Donkey Kong, thanks to Miyamoto. And the whole story there, I tell over and over and over again, because that's like the origin story of Superman or the origin story of like Spider-Man or Hulk. You know, Super Scope is the origin story of Nintendo of America saving and establishing the video game market. So that's what they're doing. They're tiptoeing in to the Disney Marvel Cinematic Universe business model. And if you are a long-term investor that's going to hand off Nintendo shares to, you know, your kids or grandkids, that's really what you want to think about. Is Nintendo a full-blown global entertainment powerhouse like a Disney, like a Marvel? So I'll leave that question up to you. And like I always close out with, play life like a video game. Try something new. Try to think of Nintendo in a new light. Try to think of Nintendo as if you've never played a video game. You just went to Universal Studios. You're 65 years old. You just had your grandkid ask you for a selfie with, with the full-blown Mario and the roller coaster in the background. And you're poking around and, and your broker says you might want to take a look at gaming. And you're looking at it from the outside. You're trying something new. You're coming in, new blood, new investor, new money. And you're saying, hmm. I think I'm going to pick Nintendo over uh, Sony and Microsoft because uh, I think they're the one with potential to move beyond gaming. Now, Sony and Microsoft are going the other way. They're going from entertainment into gaming. So really, it's a one-trick pony. It's a pure play right now for gaming, but it has potential. And don't forget, if you have some speed bumps, you lose some money in the stock, you make the wrong play, don't forget about dollar cost averaging, diversification, learn more, double down, get through those failures, grab that wisdom that you can take and pass on to generations because either you can become a master or you can help someone else become a master. Thank you for listening. Game Investing Out. Have a nice weekend.